Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Helen. I'm Janet. I'm Anna. And I'm Justin. The topic we are covering today is one that we've been wanting to address for a while. But because none of the three of us could speak authentically to this, we wanted to bring on some guests who could share personal anecdotes and perspectives. Identity plays such a big role in a person's life, and there are so many facets to it. Today, we are going to be exploring sexual orientation and identity, specifically queer and gay, and the nuances of what that means when you're Asian American. Our two guests are very good friends of ours, and after having many of these types of conversations offline, we are so happy to offer our platform for them to share their stories. Yes, and for context, Anna's a very close friend of mine from the Bay Area, and she's actually living with my college roommate and someone I always see when I'm back home. And Justin is a close friend of all three of ours. You might recognize him in some of our Instagram posts where he has graciously offered his photography skills, and Justin is also a musician known as one half of the duo J-Rod Twins. Let's welcome Justin and Anna to the ABG podcast. Hi, guys. Hi. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being on, guys. I'm so excited for this episode. Okay. I know. So we're going to start off by doing an introduction and also just sharing your personal stories. So why don't you give us a background of yourself, your name, occupation, what pronouns you go by, and for the purposes of this episode, what is your sexual orientation? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Anna. I currently live in San Francisco. I'm 30 years old. Um, I work at Facebook as a business lead for entertainment. My pronouns are she and her, and I identify as queer. Um, Hey, everyone. My name is Justin. Um, I'm 29 years old, and I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, but now I'm down near the Los Angeles area pursuing music and YouTube full-time with my twin brother, and uh, I go by he, and my sexual orientation is gay. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for giving us that background. So our first question, we'll just dive into the topic of when and how did you first have exposure to sexuality and identity? And when did you know that you were what you currently identify as? So I grew up in a really small like Asian community, um, like near Long Beach, it's called Cerritos. And so I was like very sheltered growing up. I also grew up um, super religious. And so I had no idea what I didn't even know gay people existed um, when I was in high school. And I think my first exposure to it was when one of my closest guy friends in high school, um, who incidentally I had like gone to prom with and stuff, came out as gay senior year. And so that kind of got me thinking like, oh, like people like this do exist in the world. But I had, you know, I was so sheltered from it. I, I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I think in tandem too during high school you know like it's very typical that you like have a boyfriend or as a a female you have a boyfriend and you have a crush and like that's kind of what your high school life kind of uh, centers around and um, I remember like kind of participating in in it but it felt very just like I said participatory like it felt forced and I didn't I never felt really really drawn to men um and even at a young age, like going through puberty and stuff, like I always had an inclination for women. So I had really close female friends, a lot often older students um, at my school who like, oh, I always just kind of like was drawn towards. And so in high school, not being able to know what that is and not be able to name that was really confusing. But it was something that um, I was able to 
kind of learn more about when I went to college, I went to UCSD. In my freshman and sophomore year, I just encountered a lot of different types of people. And I think even though because of my Christian background, I was like taught to kind of close myself off to people who are different from me. Um, At the same time, I was really drawn to them. So I was really curious. And I think with a lot of people my age who kind of like go through this like self-discovery, a lot of it happened within media. And so I stumbled upon a show. It was like a Canadian show called South of Nowhere, where this like Catholic girl um, is going is living her life in high school and she realizes she's gay. And so I identified with that um, immediately. It just kind of jumpstarted a questioning within me of like, how do I balance my identity as one, like an Asian daughter in a really strict family home? Two, as a Christian, where my faith tells me like this is not a thing. And then thirdly, as of an identity that I like really, truly identified with, but felt so like it was a far reach because I could never be that. I officially came out my sophomore year of college um, in 2009. And I would say like up until that point, there was a lot less exposure. And then my exposure kind of like peaked from then. I went out to WeHo every weekend and met all the all, you know <laughs> the gay community and yeah. and um and things like that wonderful so it sounds like college and the media played a huge role in kind of allowing you to have a perception and um slowly kind of a relatability for yourself yeah totally i mean like being able to see and recognize someone that you see on screen i think it's it's it plays a really big role because if you're not able to see that in something mainstream, it makes you feel invisible. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. How about you, Justin? So for me, um, it all started when I was probably three or four years old. My family started noticing things a little bit different about me than my brother. Obviously, we're twins, and so naturally there's going to be a comparison there, right? Like, they should be the same. They should be, you know, they should do everything the same. They should dress the same. But I was a little different. So my sister and my mom caught me trying on my sister's clothes or putting on her her heels or even maybe putting on her makeup. There were just these little hints that that I was slightly different, you know, and they they couldn't understand it then. But um, even for me, I didn't even know what to take of it. You know, I was like, okay, I like these things. Um, I probably wasn't really aware at that age. I'd say like a lot of things that girls are into, I guess, like the socially constructed view of what a girl would be into. I was kind of into as well. You know, even when I was playing Mm -hmm. um, Street Fighter, I would always choose the girl character. If I was watching an anime, I would always want to watch Sailor Moon and I would practice their 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 transformation, you know, motions in front of a mirror, you know. (laughs) So there was just these things Mm -hmm. that I literally I thought I was a girl for a little while. I think because I had a twin brother that is straight, I think it kept me from going so far onto that side and it kind of reeled me back. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I joke around Mm -hmm. and I. I say that I might have became transgender if it wasn't for my brother. And so, yeah, I don't want to draw that out too long, mm-hmm. but um, I think my first memory of me realizing that I was gay was when I was about eight years old. Um, I had a dream about Nick Carter from Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I had a dream that he came to my house. I don't remember what he did or anything, but I just remember having a huge crush on him when he like opened the front door. It was just unexplainable, but I remember that. I was just like, why do I have a crush on him? But after that, I was like a huge fan of Backstreet Boys, you know, Millennium. That was my favorite album. <laughs> I've had those dreams too. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I think that was like my first memory of me, you know, even feeling like I had a crush on a guy. And that was, you said, around eight years old? Yeah, I think around eight, eight or nine, somewhere around there. And did you, um, did you know what that was at the time? Not really. Mm-hmm. I couldn't explain it. But I knew that I had a crush on a guy. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I remember when I was in fifth grade, there was this kid in my, my class. He was like a really popular kid. And I was a little bit more quiet, timid, shy. And um, I just remember having a huge crush on him for some reason. But um, one thing that we had in common was that we both liked drawing and art. And so somehow we were able to like become friends through that. And then I remember going to his house just to like draw. But little did he know, like I had a huge crush on him and there was like butterflies in my stomach every time I like hung out with him or, you know, saw him in class. You know, I'd always try to get his attention, Mm -hmm. but he didn't know, you know, I was just his friend. Yeah, there's just a bunch of little things that happened that just made me realize that, hey, maybe I am gay, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. You know, it's just a really confusing like transitional time. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Yeah, I want to add to that real quick. So, Justin, when did you know exactly that you knew you were gay then? Because you said you had moments, but was there a moment in time or age or like, I think I'm for sure gay? 
I was using my brother's computer one day, mm-hmm. and um, you know, naturally as a teenager, when you go through puberty, you kind of get a little more curious and all that. And so I remember downloading um, a photo of a dude. I don't remember if he was nude or like maybe semi-nude, but I was just curious, right? And so I downloaded a photo, and usually I'm pretty good at erasing my steps, you know, like doing the whole deleting the browsing history and, you know, emptying the recycle bin. But that day I forgot. So Jason ended up going to the computer and he saw this photo on the desktop and then he was super confused. And then he just sat there and thought about it for a while and was like, like, why is this photo here? And who downloaded it? Slowly things started to click to him though, because he started just thinking back to all of my mannerisms and my you know, just things that I did in the past, whether if it was choosing girl characters mm-hmm. or putting on, you know, my sister's dresses and stuff. And then he was like, oh, my God, is Justin mm-hmm. gay? We both lived in different houses at the time um, and we were neighbors. Mm-hmm. So I went over to his house because he called me over and then confronted me about the photos. And I was like, um, those aren't my photos. Like, I didn't download those photos. I think Stephanie did. But Stephanie is my sister. So I blamed it on my sister. I, I kind of lied in the moment. But then being twins, you know, you know, you know each other inside and out. Well, I mean, most of the time you know each other inside and out. I don't want to speak on behalf of all twins. But, um, you know, we started as womb mates, I like to say. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> uh, we know each other pretty well. So he could sense there was something off. And then eventually I just, I caved in and then I just told him, I was like, I think think I like guys Mm. like I think that's Mm. how I came out to him and that's and honestly I was I didn't I didn't know either Mm. you know I still said I think but that was Mm. the the time when I really was able to verbalize it and I think that was probably the moment that I I knew that I was gay so that was my first time verbalizing it so yeah I came out to my brother that night he didn't react too well to it he basically just said are you sure Um, I think you can change, you know, like that's what he was as a 13 year old, you know, Mm -hmm. it's common as a 13 year old to not understand. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I understood that, that he needed time as well. So I just said like, I don't know, like, I I think I'm gay, but you know, like we'll see, you know, I just said, we'll see. We were neighbors, like I said earlier. And so I went back to my house and then Jason stayed there. And then before I left, he said, don't do anything like stupid or something that you regret. Mm. Yeah. So that, that showed that he was aware, you know, that this could have been really tough on me, but I think he needed some time as well. And, um, the next morning we woke up and forgot it ever happened. And then I pretended I was straight until I was 21. And that's when I came out again to everyone else. Continuing on to when I was 21, I decided, uh, that I wanted to come out again and I was ready. So after all these years of suppressing myself and hiding my true self and focusing on being straight and not showing my mannerisms, not being too girly, not walking with my butt shaking back and forth, you know, like just little things like that. Um, I decided like, you know, I can't do this anymore. And um, I actually started secretly dating a guy and I didn't tell Jason about it or anyone. Um, And then our relationship just kept progressing. And then I was tired of just hiding, Mm. like hiding all of it. And so um, one night I decided to write a letter to Jason And I knew that he would wake up earlier than me the next morning to go to work. And so I left it in the bathroom um, over the sink. It was really hard because uh, the very first time he reacted, you know, I was kind of traumatized from that. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to do it in person again. And so I wrote a letter, left it in the bathroom. At this point, we were living in the same house, but in separate bedrooms. And so um, the next morning, I woke up super early and I knew uh, what time he had to go to work. And so I was ready for him to go to the bathroom and read the letter, all of that. He went to the bathroom, read the letter, and I heard him walking towards my bedroom door and... uh, he slid my door open and then I was pretending like I was sleeping, of course. And um, he just stood there and stared at me and didn't say anything. He stood there for about four or five seconds and then he left for work. And the whole time I was in bed, just like my heart was about to explode. I, was, I didn't know like what, how he was going to react. I didn't know if he was going to accept me or, or what. And so later on, he got to work and decided to send me a text and told me that he was so excited and so happy that I finally was able to come out. And um, he's been wa- he, he said he told me he's been waiting for this day ever since uh, we were 13. Aww. And then after that, it was smooth sailing. I had my brother, who was my best friend, who was my uh, honorary gay best friend. You know, like <laughs> he was helping me come out to all my friends, family. Sometimes he'd spit it out for me. Um, we would do a three, two, one. I'm gay. <laughs> Justin's gay. You know? Yeah. yeah and like awesome. Literally, I wouldn't have been able to go through 
all of it without him. And and I, I could easily get emotional about it just talking about it, but I'm getting um, emotional about this. Oh my god. <laughs> Anna Anna's crying over there. Yeah. yeah. Just the perks of having a twin brother, to be honest, during just this entire journey. Yeah. Uh it's been a huge blessing. So Oh my gosh, Anna, are you tearing up? We're on a Zoom call um, right now. Yeah. I'm like your eyes. <laughs> oh legit. I want to give you a virtual hug. Yeah, <laughs> go Jason. Yeah, so much respect for Jason. He's the best, guys. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that family love. Um, and he obviously, we know we're really close to Jason and Justin. They're really like have a strong sibling bond, like for sure. And I think it's because like have everything you guys been through together, being twins, just so much to it. To be honest, I I didn't know Jason reacted um, that way when he was thirteen, and then to see him now is just like there's I you you wouldn't believe that you know. Yeah. But it shows, like, you know, I think, you know, being 13, you don't know that. You don't know, that, you don't know as much. And then now he's, what, 29, too. So just a, it's, there's a lot of shift that happens, you know? Yeah, and especially back in the day, you know, yeah. where things were so mm-hmm. different. Nowadays, exactly. it's just a lot easier, mm-hmm. I would say. I, I, exactly. I don't want to say it's, um, you know, everyone has their own story and their own journey. But mm-hmm. I'd say um, there's so much more representation out there now, you know, and there's a lot more resources. So Yeah, no, that's great. No, thank you for sharing. Um, Anna so how did you come out to your friends and family and like what was your reaction like what was your relationship with them like before and after because I know me and you talk about this offline and you did tell me that you come from a very traditional like Korean Christian family so I'm just curious like you know how was that story and how was that experience like for you yeah so I had a very different experience and continue to have a different experience um, than Justin with my family Um, so I first came out to my friend's my sophomore year of college. It happened to be like my roommates who I also was involved in this InterVarsity Christian Fellowship with. And so they were like my closest group at the time. I remember my first time ever calling it out was um, with one of my friends, Elisa, who um, she's like an older sister figure to me. And um, I remember I had been talking to her at length about wrestling with this and like, how do you know if you're gay? And how do you, like, you know, why does this happen to people? Like, how do I know if this is a sure thing? And am I going to go to hell? Um, and I just remember having, like, a late-night conversation, and I, like, couldn't get it out. I had never called it out before and recognized it. And so, and I just, I still couldn't. She just, like, asked me point blank. She was like, hey, are you gay? And I was like, I think I am. And at that time, we used the term gay. Um, I'll kind of get into it later, but um, we kind of, we use the term gay uh, as a blanket term. And after that, it was like a little bit easier to come out to the rest of my friend group. Um, She was supportive because lo and behold, I found out like a few months later that she was also gay. Um, And and Mm -hmm. so um, she and I, we created like this bond over our identities because she was also heavily involved in the church her parents are pastors Mm. things like that so we had a lot of um oh wow uh similarities my other friends they kind of had the same reaction as as um what how jason reacted when you were 13 where he they were like are you sure like this is just a phase you'll grow out of it Mm. and so that was that was hard um but i also like have a strong personality and so when i anchor on something and this something happened to be my identity. Like I'm pretty headstrong about it, but I, I, I just knew that like, it wasn't something that I'm going to grow out of. Um, I just, that was, that was something that I knew for sure. I knew that this was going to come at odds with my spirituality. And so like testing it with my friends came first and it just, it didn't land as well. Uh, but they were still supportive. They were like, you know, like, because you might grow out of it, like they were still like friends and, and they loved me and, and things like that. After I graduated college, um, I had been living back at home with my parents and the entire time. So at this point, I had been out for about two years. Um, I have an older sister. She's five years older than me. I was living with my parents and still closeted at the time. And um, I met a girl. And this was the first time that I had ever dated anyone. I fell hard and fast and like fell in love and things just like really picked up and because I lived with my parents at the time it it was very obvious like when I wasn't home you know or like I would like she would sleep over but I would be like oh yeah my friend's sleeping over and I think for my parents too it didn't really become a reality because in their mind they didn't know what being gay was and like they that didn't exist Mm -hmm. Uh, but for my sister she did kind of pick up on it I think about like 
six months into um, she and I dating, I remember my sister called me up one night and she was like, hey, I need you to come over. Um, we need to talk. She had lived, she lived like a couple blocks down the road from her parents' house. So I was like, okay. And I kind of knew, you kind of have that like feeling where mm-hmm. you just know that you're going to be called out on something that you've been trying to hide. And I remember walking in, in the living room, she was like sitting down and she was like, so are you and Jess dating? The Jess is the name of my girlfriend at the time. And I just like started crying. I'm like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, we are. Her reaction was, well, you know what it says about homosexuality in the Bible. And um, I was just like, yeah, I mean, of course. Like this was something that I knew and had been wrestling with my entire life. And for that to be the first thing that came out of her mouth like was really hard. And then the, the third thing she said was like, do our parents know? She was like, you have to tell our parents. I personally wasn't ready for that. I don't think there was ever a time that I was going to be ready for that. And I just told her, no, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to tell them. And she was just like, no, I think, I think they should know. Um, And then I think like two days passed. I went home, like we really didn't talk about it other than the fact that she was like, this is not okay um, because of our faith. Mm -hmm. I remember like, I think it was like two days later, I came home to my parents' house And both my parents were sitting in the living room. I'd come home pretty late that night. My dad, who's like very typical, like Korean father, doesn't have very many words, doesn't talk about anything, isn't confrontational, like just like point blank asked me like, do you like girls? And I said, yeah. And I immediately started crying. That night is kind of a blur to me. I think I would kind of honestly like block some of it out. There were some misunderstandings on my part about my parents' reactions Um, Because initially they started off like really angry. Like my mom was like, this is not okay. This is not what, how you should be and and how, you know, a a Korean Christian girl should behave. Um, And she was like telling me to break up with my girlfriend and things like that. And she was like, you can't see Jess anymore and things like that. And and at that time I was like financially independent. um, And I, you know, I was like early 20s. um, And so I was like, well, like if I can't, be who I am, then I'm going to leave. I'm going to move out. And I remember like running to my door, slamming it and going to sleep. The next morning, woke up, parents acted like nothing had happened. We kind of like didn't really talk about it until like later that evening. And um, my mom just came up to me and she was like, don't move out. I don't want you to move out. Uh, but that was that was kind of it. And that at this time, like my dad hadn't really said anything. So it was like confusing. Like I just had gotten really confusing messages Mm-hmm. Um, from my parents. And I think in a way I still continue to, too. Um, a couple weeks later, um, my dad had actually like called me to come home um, after work that day because he needed to talk to me about something. And I came home and there was another man that I'd never seen in the living room. I was like, who, hi, who are you? You know, it's like this Korean man. And he was like, oh, I'm the pastor at your dad's church. Your dad told me that you need to be prayed for. So like, can we pray together today? And I was like, huh, that's weird. Because he hadn't reacted in any way whatsoever. I kind of just imagined in my brain that like he had glossed it over as he's praying out loud. And he's like, please, Lord, I hope that Anna returns to you and she doesn't experience these feelings that she's not supposed to anymore. Something of that nature. And in effect, he was trying to pray away the gay. Mm. And I think immediately that something clicked in me and I got up and went upstairs I packed a bag. I called my girlfriend. I said, hey, um, can I stay over at your place a couple days? Like, I can't be in this house. Um, And I left. Um, I didn't say anything to my dad. I didn't say anything to to that man. Just walked out, went to my girlfriend's house and just like bawled profusely for a couple hours. I think that's when my dad got it. That like, I think that's when it clicked for him that this wasn't something that I could control or that I could change or that I wanted to. And like the next day, my sister called me and she's like, hey, dad's really freaking out what happened. And of course, like I wasn't talking to my sister at this time either. I kind of told her about the pastor situation and whatnot. And she was like, well, he's like really broken up. You need to talk to him. And so like I had to reach out to my dad. I called him and he was crying on the phone and he's like, I'm sorry. I think that moment for him was when he realized that at the expense of losing his daughter like this wasn't worth it after he apologized we like briefly talked about it and I came back home and I kind of take that as like my dad's acceptance Uh, we rarely even to this day talk about my sexuality I've 
mentioned to him a couple times. I told him when my ex and I broke up. I told him when I was dating someone new, and I've introduced him to um, my previous ex uh, ex girlfriends, but we don't like talk about it. My mom to this day tries to set me up with men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she asks me like when I'm going to get married to a man and things like that. Um, and then my sister, we also don't talk about it. She's gotten, I think she's gotten a lot better ever since um, she's had her kids. And I've been like very involved in their lives. With my family, it's an untouchable topic. I'm so sorry to hear it was so difficult for um, you to come out to your family, Anna. Um, I know there are many people out there struggling with coming out because of family, but also because of religion and, you know, what's stated um, in the Mm -hmm. Bible. But it it sounds like you have such a strong internal compass of what your identity is and you accepted it despite how hard it is to open up to your parents. And I think that's super admirable. Um, I'm like getting chills hearing your story and it's such a strong story. And thank you so much for sharing that. I guess personally for you, do you feel free that you can and you have shared your, you know, your sexual orientation with your parents? And despite it being so difficult, do you just feel like you have a weight lifted off your shoulders or is there a part of you that's like, kind of wish I didn't tell them? I've never had the I wish I didn't come out like reaction. I mean, I do feel free like in my and every every aspect of my life outside of with my family, like I'm very out. I'm very proud. I'm very vocal. That's how I live my life. Mm-hmm. I think with my family, it is a little bit harder. I feel a little muted. And that's like kind of caused me to be in a position where I don't I don't enjoy being around my family as much because I can't be myself. And I think that's something I'm constantly working through even now is like, I think there's a part of me that puts my family at a distance because I feel like I assume I know how they're going to react. And so I, mm-hmm. I keep them at bay. But at the same time, I'm not giving them the opportunity to let themselves in. I do worry though, like like things I still get stressed out about or anxiety about is like if and when I do get married, how that person will be accepted by my parents and like especially like oh, if I have a traditional wedding, what that'll look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, I've just accepted the fact that like there's a possibility that my parents won't be at my wedding, that my sister won't be at my wedding, that some of my friends who in college, who I was part of the church community with, won't be at my wedding. And I've had conversations with them about that. And I've just kind of had to accept that. But at the same time, there's the amount of people that have been accepting and that have shown me love and allowed me to be my true self, like that outweighs all of that. And so that's kind of what encourages me to to keep being myself and unapologetic and because that's so much worth it at the end um, than like one event. Mm. Damn, I like literally got shivers hearing that. I know. I, I feel like <laughs> that, I mean, that goes for anyone who's struggling with any part of their identity too, right? And just mm-hmm. feeling super vulnerable about it and wanting to hide it. But I think the fact that you're just like so headstrong with like, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to live. And, you know, no mm-hmm. one can take that identity away from me. That's just really powerful. Um, I, I guess for Justin, for you, I also wanted to ask, you know, Jason was very accepting of um, you you're coming out and your family was as well was that something that was also very freeing for you yeah definitely um i'm sure anna you can relate as well somewhat um just holding the, in that secret is not fun mm-hmm. right i mean earlier i was kind of explaining you know how coming out and having a twin brother it just really helps with the process but yeah like i definitely can empathize with a lot of the things that anna went through um it's kind of interesting how your story is kind of opposite from my story in, in some ways because I'm more comfortable with my family, but whereas I'm not active at all in the community and I, mm-hmm. I'm not out online or um, go to events or things like that. It was really interesting. And I also want to like say that I can't imagine going through that um, journey without having the support of my family and all of my close friends. You know, um, I just want to commend you for being so strong and having that willpower to like get through it but yeah it's for me it was so freeing and um ever since i came out to my family my close friends they were all very accepting of me and you know there's that initial kind of confusion Mm. but they all kind of had an idea right they just thought back to me as a kid doing what i did kind of what i explained earlier it just made sense to them it made sense justin i know you also um you made a good point about how you're not really involved in the community um, but what you do, I guess, that's your occupation, right? You are a YouTuber. You, your J-Rod Twins 
YouTube has 185,000 or so subscribers. Um, have you come out publicly to people or is it kept within only close friends and family? So it's only kept within close friends, family, and um, just my circle, my network. But um, yeah, I've never said anything online. I've never posted anything regarding my sexual identity. Um, I know we'll get into that more later. But um, yeah, at times I, I've, I've felt guilty for not doing it. But I'm hoping that doing this podcast will be a stepping stone for me into expressing more of that side of me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Is this your first time, Justin, talking about um, your sexual orientation? Yes. In a, in a public forum, it is? This is my very Oof. first time. <laughs> so I'm quite nervous, but I'm just, I'm grateful that it's happening with a, a good group of ladies like you guys, so. That's wonderful. Ever since we started selling merch on ABG, check out asianbossgirl.com shop, we've been using ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting a lot of orders out fast can be tough. ShipStation is an easy and affordable way for you to manage and ship out all of your products. Just a few clicks and you can print out labels and get your products out the door. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping price some of the lowest prices we've seen for you and your customer. And right now, Asian Boss for listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code ABG. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of delivery culture. Get started at ShipStation.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the ShipStation homepage and type in ABG. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code ABG. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Now that we've all been at home more, we've definitely been cooking more of our meals. But sometimes we feel a little lazy or pretty hungry and don't have the patience to make a full meal from scratch. And it's nice to have something on hand to mix it up a bit. Daily Harvest is a food subscription service that delivers clean, plant-based meals and smoothies to your door. It's easy to customize and manage your orders, and each item only takes a couple of minutes to prepare. I'm a big fan of their lentil and tomato bolognese harvest bowl. It's savory, fresh, and you can add an egg or other protein to top it off. They never use preservatives, added sugar, or artificial ingredients, and their fruits and vegetables are flash frozen on location. In addition to smoothies, bowls, and soups, they also have flatbreads and dessert bites. Their packaging is also now 100% recyclable. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code ABG to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code ABG for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Dailyharvest.com. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Both Anna and Justin, you guys are talking about kind of the difference of your family and friends, close people, and then kind of uh, a public community. Um, so you have different kind of uh, situations in, in that respect of who is more accepting and who is maybe um, more challenging for you. What are some of the things that you considered in coming out to kind of each of those groups? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, for me, there were layers of it being Asian-American and then also being Christian. And so I think one being Asian American, I was thinking about like, what are the implications to my community? I think typically in, especially in Korean American culture, even now there are not a lot of uh, like queer folks out. If you do, like they're typically the quote unquote, like flamboyantly gay comedian characters who, you know, in Korean media, um, you don't see any, like a lot of, 
um, female, um, lesbian characters out there. And in Asian culture, it's so important because you're a representation of your family. And so this aspect of like bringing honor to your family is like such a, it's it's such a thing that weighs heavily, I think, on every one of us um, in this conversation here. So like that was one layer of it. And then the second layer of it is like, I think was the harder, harder one is being Christian. The fate of my soul essentially is on the line, right? Because you have people saying Mm -hmm. that I'm going to go to hell because of my sexuality. There are six verses in the Bible that talk about homosexuality. Money is is a topic that's talked about more in the Bible than homosexuality. Yet it's spurred so many people to have these strong beliefs that what we're doing is a choice and what we're doing is wrong. It feels louder um, a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. I think especially not knowing whether, you know, after I die, because heaven and hell is such a reality for Christians, like not knowing whether or not I'm going to heaven or hell, um, that was something that I had to grapple with. The truths that I anchored on was, one, God made me who I am, and two, who I am is gay. (laughs) And those facts, like those two, two facts can, in fact, exist together. And for me, like that's been my truth, is like I still identify as Christian or spiritual, and I still identify as 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 gay and queer. So that's my truth, and I'm gonna I'm gonna live it. And that's kind of how I've reconciled that. That was beautiful because it's there's such a complexity to it. And I think the fact that you were able to boil it down to, to those two points um, is incredibly powerful. And I think probably for some of our listeners, a nice example. So thank you. And how about you, Justin? What were some of the things that um, you considered when you were thinking about coming out? Um, and maybe like you shared a bit about with your family, but maybe even publicly, like you shared that you haven't as much. What are some of your reservations? Yeah, I had a lot of reservations um, coming out. Um, and like you, Anna, as well, I grew up in a religious household, but um, my mom is actually Buddhist. So fact check me on this, but I believe in the Buddhist religion. Um, there isn't anything that's written about homosexuality in there. So my mom didn't know much about it, but the only thing she was worried about was just being viewed negatively by her friends or her peers or whatever, you know. And so um, I think that's the, the image was what she was worried about. Also, I grew up in a house where it was a clash of cultures. So my mom is Vietnamese and she was a Buddhist nun. Um, and then my stepdad is white. And then my dad was Thai, which is very, um, I think in Thai culture, it's very accepting of you know, LGBT people. Yeah, so for me, it wasn't as much of like a family um, expectation. It was more of me just being super self-conscious of what other people would perceive of me. And Mm -hmm. so things like, you know, if I told someone I was gay, would they instantly picture me, you know, engaging in some kind of sexual activity with another gay man or losing friends? Or I had two Mormon best friends growing up in high school and their families were basically my families as well. I was afraid that they would just disown me, you know, or mm-hmm. again, like you, Anna, like maybe they wouldn't attend my wedding because they don't support my lifestyle. So it was just things like that for me. And I feel lucky to say that I only had to deal with those issues and not as many family issues. But um, yeah, those are kind of the things that I thought of during the time when I was coming out. No, thank you for sharing that. I, I think it's, a, it's really hard because like these are such factors that are really important in someone's life to consider. Um, but you know, you guys both mentioned you guys, you know, Justin, you had Jason and Anna, you had your friend from college that also identified like who's someone besides your, those two friends that you turned to in, in this time of uncertainty and like any, give me wise words from like maybe someone older for me, like from a mentor or like a, maybe a therapist during this time. And in addition to that question, are there certain like icons maybe in media that you can relate to and, and have found comfort in? Um, so someone that I've turned to in time of uncertainty I think you guys can guess uh, my twin brother. Jason! <laughs> you know, we've lived 29 years together ever since the day I downloaded uh, that first photo on his computer. You know, I think he secretly has been with me through all of my problems, but he never just really expressed it in, in words. But mm. he knew. He knew I was gay. Yeah. Fast forward to now. He's been my wingman. Like, he's been my best friend. He's been, like I said, my honorary gay bestie. He goes out with me <laughs> if I go out to the bars. I don't have many gay friends, and so he was kind of there to fill that void. Um, mm. I had, like, one gay friend in college, I think, but I I text him maybe once a year. Um, mm. So there wasn't 
I didn't have a big circle that I could turn to to talk about these topics. And the great thing is that my brother is super open-minded and he's willing to learn. So he was so he was so excited for me to come onto this podcast as well because he's like, you know, anything that you learn from this podcast, you know, talking to Anna as well, um, he's going to learn as well. So that's why he was so excited for me to go on here and just talk about these things because he was the only person I ever turned to to talk about these super deep, deep, deep topics. I've talked, you know, I've talked to Mel and you guys about it before as well, but as far as going super deep and like talking about my identity and all that, it's just Mm -hmm. untapped. I sidelined that for my entire life pretty Mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Well, that's what we do on this podcast. We go deep, (laughs) even for ourselves. We're like, oh my gosh, we never asked ourselves these questions and here we are. (laughs) Yeah. And as far as like a therapist or like a mentor, I'd say for me, YouTube has been kind of my mentor. Mm. Even just watching videos online coming out videos that has really helped me out a lot um, with just accepting myself more and embracing who I am and I feel grateful that there's that resource nowadays that Mm -hmm. we could turn to if we don't have like a friend to talk to or Mm -hmm. um, there's like a community comment sections you know you can go in there and just like chat with people and um, read comments and just feel not as alone Anna, how about you? Who's someone that you kind of turn to for in, in times of support? Yeah, so um, my friend and mentor, um, Elisa, who also came out. I mean, we've been friends since high school now. And anytime I have anything, you know, dating advice, um, you know, questions about, you know, once in a while, I'll still ask like, hey, like, are we going to hell? <laughs> um, like things like existential questions, things like that. Um She's definitely someone that I still turn to. And I have my like close group of gay guy friends um, that I turn to and we all have like similar ideologies. It's just nice to like have an outlet. And so that's been nice. And then honestly, like my friend group here, you know, Regina V, I mean, Mel, you're included in that group too. Like I think just being able to talk about the things, a lot of the topics that, you know, you ladies talk about on your podcast, like. Um, and to not have any, you know, judgment um, that it's a female that we're talking about. Um, I think that's been really helpful. Is there anyone in media that you look up to? Yeah. So um, I'm like really into Top Chef right now. And um, Melissa King oh. is someone who has increasingly like gone up on my list of, um, you know, people I look up to. Um, she's Asian. She's also queer and she lives in San Francisco. She's very out and proud. At least, I mean, I don't know her and I haven't met her. These are all, you know, from the lens of like Instagram and, and, and TV. That's wonderful. Thank you guys so much for sharing your personal stories and your background. I feel like that was such a beautiful conversation. Now we kind of want to, for those of our listeners and for, for us in this group, think more outwardly about the queer community in general. Um, There's a lot of education that still needs to happen in terms of like terminology and general understanding. So if you guys could kind of do a little bit of 101 for us, um, what's the difference between queer and LGBTQI? Um, Are those even the appropriate terms? So I'll preface this with saying like, this is just kind of my interpretation. I, I by no means speak for the entire community. I think everyone has, you know, their own um, understanding of this. But for me, so I, uh, like I said at the beginning, like I identify as queer. And for me that like I I actually learned about that term in college um, when I was involved in our queer people of color community and our queer career group. Like that was just the word that we used. And I think I didn't really understand it because LGBTQIA plus as it now is and it continues to grow was the typical abbreviation for the community. But something that I learned is um, historically the LGBT um, community has really centered around um, the white LGBT community. Um, So a lot of times when you think about history, um, a lot of the, you know, Stonewall and things like that really only encompass a lot of the white communities, white male communities involved. And so, you know, LGBT was kind of this umbrella term to include lesbian, trans and bi, but like the bulk of the community was made up of white gay men. Queer used to be a derogatory term Um, used against the LGBT community. But uh, in recent years, like because it includes people of color and people who identify on the outskirts. So you're thinking like genderqueer folks, non-monogamous. It's kind of a reclamation of that. Um, And so I personally prefer using the uh, term queer because it now includes the experiences of 
people of color, people who aren't included in the original LGBT spectrum. I think, yeah, Anna and I were talking about this before and I was like, can you please educate me on this? Because I think some... Like, to be honest, this is something I feel like if you're... I don't want to say if you're not involved in the community, but, like, it's... I, I think it's something that I, I feel like we should be educated on. I think a lot of people are just afraid to use the wrong terminology because they don't want to come off offensive because they just don't know. So I was asking Anna about this, and she was totally educating me on this um, back at mm-hmm. home. So thank you for sharing that. Something that I've learned also, and you make a good point, Mel, it's, um, I guess, if you don't... If you're not surrounded um, by people who do identify, then you're very sensitive about what words and what terminology you should be using or would appropriately be using, I guess. Because something that I learned is um, like homosexuality is that word itself, is that seen as derogatory and now queer is more accepted versus queer used to be mm. more of a derogatory term. And now I think the younger generation has brought it back mm-hmm. right to what you were saying to encompass um, more complexities around mm. identity. Yeah, and like personally, I don't identify as lesbian because I think traditionally when you think of a lesbian you think of a white angry butch woman and that's kind of Mm -hmm. like the the typical face of the term and so for me personally Mm -hmm. I mean and and you've heard it throughout this podcast so far like I call myself I use the term gay um, because I think it's a little more open and accepting and and doesn't put me in a in a particular box I feel like there are a lot of stereotypes and implicit biases that come with just labeling, right? Mm-hmm. You say, I am a lesbian, I am gay. There are so many thoughts that people have um, about what that means, which is so unfair because everyone is um, it's very complex and shouldn't be you know, fit into, into a box. So Anna, you said that you're a little bit more involved with the LGBTQ community. In what ways are you involved? Yeah, so I was more involved in college, um, especially towards the end of um, my last two years at UCSD, I was involved in like queer people of color group and the queer Korean club, as I mentioned before. Um, to be honest, it's been a lot harder post college to find those communities, especially you know in, at work. Um, but I've actually been really blessed the past couple of years to join companies that are very open and accepting, and we've had specific employee resource groups that are designed for employees who identify as a particular uh, in a particular way. So at Medallia, for example, I was involved in QField. That was what we called our um, queer group there and this like I wouldn't even like involved is is probably makes it seem like I'm more active than I actually am I'm more of a participant than like an activist um in that sense um and at Facebook we have a pride at group but it's hard like even at Facebook for example our pride at group is made up of mostly white gay men Mm. and you know um every year we have like a conference for just specifically for everyone who identifies within the pride community like you walk in there and it's very it's like maybe one out of 20 25 people are female so it's it's hard um i've also tried to be involved in lesbians who tech that also happens to be a very majority white female group there was one point like when I first moved to San Francisco where I was like, I really want to meet queer Koreans um, in San Francisco. And my friend Elisa, she happened to know of one. And, um, you know, we met and we tried to kind of come up with something, but it it's just really hard. If you guys heard of the, the joke, like lesbians, what did lesbians bring on the second date? A U-Haul. It's because like a lot of lesbians like shack up and get into relationships and like... Um, and so like I think as you get older too and you get into these relationships like there's less interest yeah it's been it's been hard for sure I think especially for women of color who are in this community um, there's like zero to none I didn't know it was um, that sparse in in your community in terms of like um, the queer like people of color mm-hmm. and like it's, it kind of just shows how like so there's so much nuance to this because like i think we talk about how like there's a lack of representation in asian american people in general in like the corporate field or like people not working nine to five but then if you go even more deeper it's like even asian americans who identify as queer in these corporate settings don't they don't even also have a group there too so it seems like everyone's trying to find their community wherever they're at and how about you justin so you kind of have a different maybe environment work-wise but also as anna had shared kind of her personal relationship and personal identity in with the terms that are perceived in society a certain way how has your relationship been with the terminology and community the fact that i've suppressed exploring more of that side of myself naturally i think it correlates to how much i 
spend my time researching these topics and being knowledgeable about these topics. And so for me, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I don't know very much about just the terminologies people go by or pronouns and their titles and, and things like that. But for me, I identify as gay and that's kind of all I've ever really known. Um, that's why I, I did really look forward to Anna's perspective on this because I don't know much about the lesbian culture or should, can I say lesbian culture? I can, Yes, right? you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I don't know much about lesbian culture, and I also wanted to ask Anna a quick question. Um, let's say someone were to call you lesbian. Um, how should that person like proceed with the conversation? Like, How would you deal with that if they were to call you lesbian, I guess? That's a great question, actually, because people do mm-hmm. call me lesbian, and I think I don't have any problem with it um, necessarily because I think a lot of times from the outside in, like, that is what I am, right? Like, uh, like I, I, lo- I like women and that by definition is a lesbian. So um, it doesn't like offend me or anything at all. I think it's just for me calling myself gay is like a way for me to reclaim that for myself. But even for this group here, how like identifying folks with like particular terms, like I'm not someone who's like very critical of that. I know like there are people who like hate the word like you guys and they want you to you y'all and things like that. And I've just my my perspective is like I care more about intention than the actual like use of the term. And inclusion for me is that is like how you how do you intend it? That's just my my, my yeah. two cents. I'm on the same boat, too, for sure. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for sharing your personal stories with us um, and your coming out story and also just your involvement in the queer community. I feel like we're just brushing the surface of a topic that is incredibly nuanced and there's so much to it. And we want to do it justice. Just, I was going to say Justin. And we want to <laughs> do it justice, obviously. Um, so seeing that we're already hitting the one hour mark, let's maybe close this one out. Um, for this episode and we'll go deeper into topics like your current identity um, how is your dating life and a lot more juicy topics too in the next episode so Anna and Justin where can our listeners find you um, digitally or on the interwebs so I'm on Instagram Um, my handle is at my name is Anna Lee yeah hit me up there (laughs) so you can find me at Justin Rod Jan Rod like a fishing rod and then Jan like January or you can uh, check out our music too. Can I plug that in? At J Rod yeah, Twins. Yeah, sure. uh, J Rod, Fishing Rod again, and then Twins. <laughs> <laughs> we have some partnerships that we're very happy to share with you all. Um, if you guys want to go to our partnership page or in the show notes, you'll see the links and the discount codes. Uh, you could also find us on all of the podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a rating and review at Asian Boss Girl. And if you'd like to support us through monthly donations, you can now do so at anchor.fm slash Asian Boss Girl slash support. We're also very active on social. Our handle is at Asian Boss Girl. If you resonate with today's guests and their incredible vulnerable stories, screen cap this podcast, tag us, and we can reshare on our Instagram story. Also find us on YouTube where we have started posting some vlogs. Subscribe at Asian Boss Girl. And thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. Catch us on the next episode. Bye. Bye.